Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Keys to both doors. If I can draw your attention to that passage there, Matthew 16, 13. In the beginning, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he said to his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do men say that I am. If you've heard me recently within the last year or two or three, you know that I'm just kind of on this thing about God and about the attitude of God and the personality of God and who the Lord really is. And one of the aspects of his character that I've been stuck on and talking about quite a bit is that he is a moving God. He's not just a healing God. He's a moving God. He's not just a way-making God. He's a moving God. He's not just a love-you God. He is a on-his-way-somewhere God. He's not just a mercy and a grace God. He is a God of purpose, God an intention, God a plan, on-his-way-somewhere God. He's not a stuck-in-one-place God. He's a moving God. When I was younger, there was this artist uh, named Vanessa Bell Armstrong. I don't know if y'all remember her, but she had this song that I used to love. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me while I'm on this teacher's journey. I want Jesus to walk with me. Hold my hand. I wish I had some church folk. Hold my hand. Please hold my hand. Hold my hand, Lord. Hold my hand while I'm on this teacher's journey. I want Jesus to walk with me, to hold my hand. I, I've come to the understanding it's, it's not just me holding, not me just asking him to walk with me, and not just me trying to get him to hold my hand. It's really me walking with him. It's me getting a glimpse of where God is going and where God is moving and coming to grips with the intentionality of God and the fact that God has a plan and I want to be a part of it. It's more than just getting him about my plan and getting him to walk with me. It is figuring out God what are you saying? Where are you going? What are you doing? What is on your heart? And I want to walk with you. And it's reflected in the life of Jesus. It's reflected in the ministry of Jesus. If it had been me, and I know y'all are glad I wasn't Jesus, because if it had been me, the easiest thing to do would have been to just set up somewhere. W-O-C-C, Jesus, is what I would have called. And I just stay in one place and just get a church. I'm a pastor. Get a church, set up some seats, get some worship, and have everybody come to me. But that's not 
Jesus' mode of operation because him and the Father are one. And so since God is a moving God and God is not a stuck-in-one-place God, in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus has to be found. Jesus is constantly on the move. When Jairus is trying to find Jesus to heal his daughter, it's like they're trying to find Jesus. When they're trying to, to replace Judas Iscariot, if you read it in Acts, they're saying, we need to find somebody that was with us while we walked with Jesus, as Jesus moved in and out of our lives because Jesus was not a standstill in one place kind of somebody. In his reflection of the character and personality of God the Father, Jesus is constantly on the move. And people are constantly moving with him. And crowds are constantly following him. And the better song for us to sing was, we need you, Lord, to stop by. Stop by. We need you, Lord, to stop by. While you're on your way there, stop by. Come by here, my Lord. Come by here. Come by here, dear Lord. Come by here. Come by here, dear Oh, Lord, come by Come by here because I know you're on your way somewhere. Sorry, choir. I know you're on your way somewhere. And while you're on your way somewhere, while you're moving, can you stop by? While you are moving in the earth, can you touch my house and touch my life and touch my child and touch my teenager? I know you've got a purpose and I know all things work together for the good of us who love you and are down with what you're down about. It's not just about me trying to convince God to be about what I'm about. It's about me realigning and reconfiguring and surrendering and making him Lord and giving my life to him and actually allowing him to be in charge for a while and actually say, all right, Lord, where are you going? I want to go with you. This ain't even the message. I'm just stuck on this. I'm sorry. I'll move on. On his journey, Jesus comes to Caesarea Philippi. This is the winter before his death. And the moving God, the moving Christ ends up in Caesarea Philippi. Now, if you knew what I know about Caesarea Philippi, you would really be excited about the fact that he visits Caesarea Philippi. That he asks this question in Caesarea Philippi. He asks a quantifying question. Who is Jesus question in a complicated place? Caesarea Philippi is a complicated spot. This is a complicated word for a complicated people. Anybody complicated? Anybody can admit you complicated? You're com no, no, I asked a question. Can you be honest? You complicated. I'm complicated. This is a complicated place. This is a port city. This it's it's a place that's named for both Caesar and Philip, who had it rebuilt. Who is? It is a place of it's a it's a place of great business. It, it's a beautiful place. It's a place that has physical beauty and money is 
is exchanged there. It is a powerful port place. It is an economic place. It is a place where money is made. He didn't ask this question in the most spiritual, deepest of Holy Ghost places. He asked this question in a place where folk are about money. He had to ask this question in a region where folk are thinking about how much money they've made, how much money they're going to make. Not only is it an economic business place, not only does Jesus ask this question in a business environment, he also asks this question because not only is it a beautiful place and not only is it an economic development, money exchanging hands, port place, and it's also a place that there's a lot of spirituality around it. People believe that this was the source of the Jordan. There's a well there in Caesarea Philippi that's so deep that they, they think that it's a well too deep to measure. And there's this water that is the source coming out of this well. And so it is a well that can't be measured that is so deep that as a result of the physical beauty that it provides and the water it provides and, and the commerce that it provides, it also made the people there feel that there was spiritual significance to it. And so not only was there Christians, but the Greeks, that's why Caesarea Philippi, the Greeks, and there was a temple there to the god Pan. And Pan is the god of groves and the god of flocks and the god of springs and the god of fertility, which makes him also end up being the god of sex. So this is, Caesarea Philippi is a place where there is sexual worship that takes place. It's a place where sex is very important. It's, it's a place where you can worship the God Pan in a sexual act. Not only can you make money, but it's a place of pagan worship. It's, it's, a, it's a place where sex is worshiped. It's a word. It's a word. When Jesus, Jesus doesn't ask this question in a Holy Ghost Spirit-filled hallelujah place. Jesus asks, who do men say that I am in a place that is complicated? Jesus asks, who do men say that I am in a place where folk are thinking about money and folk are thinking about beauty and folk are thinking about sex? See how quiet it is right now in here? Because the truth of the matter is that we live in a time in which, yeah, we're thinking about worship, but we're also thinking about money. Amen, light bulbs. We're thinking about economics. We're thinking about business. We're thinking about inflation. We're thinking about how money will flow. We're thinking about what our dollar is worth. We're thinking about what our dollar will be worth. 
We come to God, we're praying. Half of what we're praying for is for God to fix our money. I, I, I need just a couple of honest. Half of what we're praying for is for there to be a flow that we don't have now. Part of what we're praying for is that the money that we have will be worth what it's worth. Part of what we're worried about is interest rates and is our house worth this? And Can I own my own thing? And Will I have money? Can I retire? Who am I talking to? Can I retire? Can my business grow? Can I have them? Do I have enough? Will I make enough? Will there be a flow enough? Am I in a port place? Am I in a place where trade can happen? Can I grow? Can I be safe if bad things happen? We're in that place right now. Don't act like you're not in that place. Half of what we're talking to God about is, Lord, touch this business, and Lord, move by your spirit, and God, open up a door, and God, make a way, and God, I'm going for this job tomorrow, and God, I'm trying to get this new contract, and God, I'm trying to get more land and more property, and half the videos I watch are about how to make more money and cryptocurrency. Can I get honest? The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, but I like it, though. Anybody like it? I like it. I try really hard not to love it, but I like it. It's a good servant. It's a poor master, but I want it to serve me, but I don't want to serve it, but I definitely want it to serve me, and I'm constantly looking. I'm constantly thinking about do I have enough, and where is it going to go, and am I in the right place to trade? I'm trying to make it connect with you. At, at the same time, it is a sexual. This is a sexual moment. This is a moment in which sex is a big thing that we think about, and we're thinking about all kinds of stuff that has to do with our ends at with our uh with our sexual orientation and even the thinking about homosexuality versus heterosexuality really many many thought leaders have said that what we're really talking about is pansexuality and pansexuality is where anything goes where the identification of what is clearly okay and what is not okay is totally obfuscated in which you now cannot clearly define this is this, this is that, this is a man, this is a woman, this is right, this is wrong. It's just pansexuality. It is sex rules. That's this moment. <laughs> That's where we are. And in that place, in a place of that, in that moment, Jesus asks the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And I think it's a question that any modern day theologian has to ask. I think it's a question that any pastor has to ask. I think it's a question that anybody in here that's been saved longer than 10 years has to ask that question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And not just who is Jesus, but who do men say Jesus is? Who does the world say Jesus is? What does the world have to say about this? What does the world have to say about church? What does the world have to say about a Sunday morning? What does the world have to say about this two hours you spent in his presence? What does the world have to say? What is the notion of Christ? What is the current thought process around all of this? I think that it is ignorant 
to not ask the question, well, what does the world have to say about Jesus? If you invite somebody to church, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Jesus is actually aware of it. Jesus says, yeah, what's the notion about me out there? What's the thought about me out there? What do people have to say about me? Who do men say that I am? And their response is that Jesus is religion. That's their response. The thought out there is, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you are something we have already seen. Some are saying, yeah, this is a move like we have seen before. This is just church. It's a respectful response, but it's not accurate. And if you say to your friend, if you invite someone to come to know God, because at some point you have to realize that a part of the reason why we're all here is to help somebody else to know the Lord. I'm going to make everybody say amen on that. The Lord did not save you and call you just to bless you. The Lord called you, saved you, and blessed you to use you. And the more he knows he can use you, the more he'll bless you. The more he knows you'll be a testimony, the greater your testimony will be. If you're going to keep it to yourself, you're only going to get but so much God. But if you've got something that you can't keep to yourself, if the Lord can bless you and he'll know that you'll tell 10 people about what God has done in your life, well, he really might bless you then, but he ain't blessing you just because he like you. He likes you. He loves me. He loves me. He likes me. No doubt about it. He wants to see me have. You got it. But also, he wants the world to know about him. I think this is one of the things that's missing. I'm sorry, beloved. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. But there was a lot of us that were raised thinking about your witness. That was such a weak amen. We were raised thinking about, can people know God as a result of, look, and do you, they used to make you carry tracks around in your pocket. I need a, they need, they sent you out looking for somebody that you would tell your testimony to. You were taught the Romans roadmap. To, you were taught how to lead somebody to Christ because a portion of your Christianity was not just about you. It was about the lost. It was about go and tell somebody. It was about going into the highways and byways it was about sharing your testimony with somebody and I think that you, you do yourself a disservice if the end of your Christianity is you blessed you're doing yourself a disservice. You're shortchanging yourself on the real blessing of what it really means to have God in your life. What it really means to have God in your life is God blesses you in such a way. God turns your midnight into day. God turns your life around. God turns your morning into dancing. God turns your sorrow into joy. God takes your brokenness and blesses you. And he gives you stuff that you do not deserve, that you would not have without him. And then you bring 
bring people through on a tour and say, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have that. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have that. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have that. If it wasn't for God, I'd have lost my mind. And let me tell you what he's done for me. Let's not get away from that. Let's not so get caught up in professional church and getting our church need met that we miss the fact that you are supposed to be out there constantly looking for somebody that's got a great big hole in their life that only God can fill. I need a witness in the building. I would be willing to bet and I feel it by the Holy Ghost. You have met somebody this week and you listen to them talk and they have a hole in their life that only Jesus can fill and you don't want to tell them because you don't want to offend them. And it's incredible how everybody else don't care about offending people except us. We're the only ones scared to tell somebody, well, I got the Lord in my life. We're the only one scared to offend somebody and say, well, if it had not been for Jesus. We're the only one halfway scared to say in Jesus' name around a prayer. When honestly, if it had not been for the anointing power of Jesus in your life, Okay, what I'm saying is, is if you are thinking like that, then you have to think, well, who do people think Jesus is? What do they think about church? What would they think if I invited them? Chances are they're not going to think that this is what took place. Chances are they have a notion of church that's very traditional and very old and very this is how it was and with ushers and not knocking any of it, but they will have that as a notion more than who Jesus really is. And then Jesus says to them, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are pure power. You are whatever we need you to be. You are something that cannot be defined. You are something that if we put a label on you, we'll box you in. You are something that is so big, we can't keep you in a temple, and we can't keep you in an idol, and we can't keep you in a cross, and we can't keep you in the confines of what we thought. You are so big. You're the alpha and the omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're the first and you're the last. You're the one who was and is and is to come. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, your ancient doors, and let the King of glory. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. That's who you are. You are something that ain't nobody never seen before. I need somebody to wave at me because that ought to be your testimony. You ought to be somebody that says, oh, no, no, no. They don't even know who my Jesus is. Everybody should have a my Jesus testimony. Everybody in here should be like, well, that was who a Jesus was to you. Can I tell you what he was to me? He helped me sleep when I thought I was going to lose my mind. He helped me forgive when I was about to kill somebody. He delivered me. He saved me. I need somebody to say, oh, Pastor Andy, oh, no, no, no. I got a testimony. You can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. I've walked with him. I've talked with him. He is my friend. This is not just religion for me. I would talk to God in church or out of it. 
I'll talk to him on the way here. I'm going to talk to him when I get in my car because he's my friend. I know he's alive. I know he's risen. I know he's risen because he has slipped in and said stuff to me. And I knew it was him. I knew it was him. I know him for myself. Who am I talking to this morning? Who? Who am I talking to around the world? He's Jesus. And when, sit down, sit down. When Peter says, you're Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus is moved by that response. Jesus backs up. He's like, oh, my God. Because there's something about being in a relationship with somebody that gets you. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with anybody who only sees you through the lens of their own need. The only way they see you is they define you based on what's good for them. They define you based on what they need you to be. They, de they define you totally based on their own perspective. And if you really question, they really don't get you. They really don't know you. They really don't have a real glimpse. And it's a sad thing. It's a tough thing to happen. To spend two years, three years, five years, seven years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years with somebody. And come to the understanding that they never really saw you right in the first place. Some come belching up out of them. And you and them saying, wow, that's what you think of me? Wow, you have been my friend for this long. Wow, you have been in a relationship with me for this long. And you think I'm like that. You think I'm petty. You think I'm small. You think I'm scared. You think I'm weak. You are viewing me through your lens. You are only defining me based on what you need or who you are. I would contend this is very much how we are with God. We have a tendency to only define God very narrowly through the lens of our own need, through the lens of our own perspective. That's Jeremiah. That's Elijah. That's a prophet. That's church. But for Peter to say, you to Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And may Jesus be like, whoa, oh my gosh. Somebody that got me. Do, do you know what? Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. That don't come just from being a human. You just got connected with the Holy Ghost. You just got connected with the Father. You just got yourself a revelation. The Father just told you that. And you know what? You're Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church. I'm going to change your name. Your name is Peter now. And on that rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of death will not prevail against it. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you keys. Because you give keys when people get it. 
Now, let me ask a question. Let me bring it down. How many people have keys in here? If you have keys, take them out. Take your keys out, please. Lift your keys up in the air and shake your keys. Come on, everybody. Shake your keys. Make it jingle. Make them keys jingle. Okay? First of all, I'm so glad you have keys. Number two, understand that if you have keys, you have bills. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the bill. You have bills. What you are shaking in your hand right now is mortgage payments and rent payments and car payments. You, you have keys. Now, I don't know if there's anybody like me in here who you pulled your keys out. Go ahead, pull them back out. Shake them at me now. Come on now. Pull your keys. Is there anybody in here that has a key on their key ring that they're not quite sure what it goes to. No, I, I need a witness. I'm, I'm asking a question. Is there anybody that can say, Pastor Ann, I see it's some of the gray hairs like me. Yes, I have a key. All right, maybe you don't have, maybe, maybe you don't have it on your ring. But, but let me ask this. Is it possible that in a junk drawer, don't get quiet on me like y'all don't know what a junk drawer is because some of y'all have three. A junk drawer just moves with you from one place to the next. You dump it in a bag and you pour it in a new place. Hey, you got stuff in your junk drawer you ain't touched in six years. I knew I was going to share this. The Holy Ghost talked to me about this. And so I went and cleaned out my drawers. Because I figured, let me clean, clean out my drawers. And I, as I was cleaning out my drawers, I came across all these keys. These keys I have in my hand, all of these keys, I have no idea what these keys go to, and these are car keys. These right here are car keys. These are car keys to cars I no longer have. Do you know why I have these keys? Because a key is hard to throw away. When I leave here today, I'm going to try to throw these keys away. But the thing about a key is a key is tough to put in the trash. In the same way, in the same way. Maybe somebody has tried to make you doubt the Lord or doubt prayer or doubt worship or doubt the kingdom. But the kingdom key is a key that is way too powerful. And it ought to be really hard for you to throw that key away. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. I'm going to try to throw these keys away. I really am. But they are keys that are hard to toss because they are keys that you keep. Now, for most of you in the room, if you remember, the first keys you ever got weren't keys to anything of yours. 
need a witness, I need a witness. First key you got was on a string around your neck for you to let yourself back into your mama's house. And she didn't give you a key until she realized you had some sense. You had to show you had a certain amount of sense before you got a key to her house or his house. And he reminded you on a regular basis, now this is my house and this is my spot and these are my place and this is my bills. And it wasn't until you got your own key. Part of the reason why you had to get out of your mama's house and out of your daddy's house is because they were constantly reminding you that the keys you had in your hand were not your keys. And in their house, this is how stuff goes. But what I'm saying to you is, is the first keys you got weren't keys to your stuff. It was your parents that recognized a certain amount of sense that came on you and gave you a key. Jesus recognizes sense coming on the disciples and says to them, wow, now I'm going to give you a key to the kingdom. So the first key they got was a key to God's stuff. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so prayer is a key that unlocks the heavens. I said prayer is a key that unlocks the heavens. And so then you, we took this passage and we applied it to prayer. And so prayer is a key that we almost never throw away. You pray when you're a heathen. Talk to me. You pray over your food even when you don't know if you're going to church. You prayed before you went into the club. Okay. You prayed before you went to the party. You were like, Lord, just be with me. Keep me. <laughs> when you did all of your dirt, you came back. You was like, now nah, I lay me down to sleep. Pray my Lord. So you still prayed because you believe that prayer would still work. You believe prayer worked even when you weren't living right. Okay, so you acknowledge that it was a key that unlocked this heavenly kingdom door, and no doubt about it. But I would like to contend that when Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, he was giving a glimpse into a key that unlocks both doors. Not just the door to the heavens, but the door to the earth. That's why he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Meaning that not only will this be a key that will unlock heavenly doors, but you know what? This is a key that unlocks earthly doors. Because the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof the world belongs to God. And it's a mistake to be so caught up in just the key that unlocks the spiritual and to not have an expectation for the key that unlocks the heavens to be a key that unlocks both doors. As a matter of fact, we were taught 
that it would only open up a heavenly door because we were slaves and we didn't have access to the stuff in the earth and they didn't want us to understand that actually this key doesn't just open up heavenly doors, it opens up earthly doors. But we were taught, long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. We were taught, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus more than anything this whole world could afford to give. That's what we were taught. And you know what? Yeah, I would rather have Jesus or silver or gold. I would rather have Jesus or riches untold. But you know what? If you really gave me a choice, I'd like to have Jesus and some gold. Thank you very much. My church already answered. I'd like to have Jesus and a job. I'd like to have Jesus and some bills paid. I'd be fussing at the worship leaders. Don't be up here saying, I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. No, no. I want to know how my bills are going to be paid, but I want favor on me so I don't have to pay. I want both. I want money and favor. I want wealth and blessing. I don't want either or. And I refuse to give in to a supremacist theology that keeps me forever locked in the church and unable to access everything that the marketplace has to offer. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. There is not just an anointing in the clergy. There's an anointing for business. Oh, I speak it over this room right now in the name of Jesus. There is an anointing to be a king. There is an anointing for the marketplace. And we made a mistake in which we only clap for the clergy and we only clap for the preacher and we only clap. And the highest place we thought we could get would be bishop. And we had all of these things. We just want a purple shirt and a cross and no shade to buy it because I'm getting ready to wear one. But what I'm saying too is that can't be the end. There's got to be something else. There's got to be more. It's not just I got shoes and you got shoes and all oh, got children got shoes and when they get to heaven, gonna put on our shoes, gonna walk all around God's heaven. I got a home and you got a home and all oh, God's children got a home. And when we get to heaven, gonna walk in our home. Yeah, I'm gonna walk in my home in heaven. You know where else I'm gonna walk in my home? I'm gonna walk in my home down here. Down here on this side. I'm praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Who am I talking to in here this On earth as it is in heaven. If I'm not going to be sick in heaven, I don't want to be sick down here. If I'm not going to be sad in heaven, I'm not looking to be sad down here. If I'm not going to be broke in heaven, hey, you know what? Maybe it's not God's will for me to be broke. Maybe they told me it was God's will for me to be broke so that they could be rich and I could be broke and I could go to heaven and get mine while they live in the earth and get theirs. The devil is a liar. I set you free from that faulty theology in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you that when Jesus said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, loose on earth, he ain't talking about just heavenly stuff. He's talking about life. I speak life, I speak blessings, not cursings. I, I speak the head and not the tail. I don't know who is receiving this from me this morning. I speak above only and not beneath, always at the top, never at the bottom. Lender and not borrower. I'm 
believing that something's going to happen for somebody this week that just blows your mind. I want the Lord to confirm his word with a sign that's more than you getting the Holy Ghost. I want you to get a deal that you have so much you don't know what to do with it. Because the key doesn't just unlock heavenly doors, it unlocks earthly doors. Have a seat. I'm almost done. Here's the key. We think the key, Elder Paul, is just prayer. And it is prayer. But what prayer really is, is prayer is on a key chain of keys that is reflective of this key that I'm going to share with you this morning. It's a key that unlocks both doors. Okay? Here it is. I've shared it here before, but it bears repeating. Here's the key. The key is reciprocity. Reciprocity. I want everybody to say reciprocity. That was weak. I want everybody to say it. That was kind of okay. That was a little bit better. I want everybody in there. Get your lips. Get your, get your teeth together. Ready? Let's try it one more time. Everybody. What's that word? Reciprocity. Reciprocity is a key. It is what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 6. The idea of reciprocity is do unto others and it shall be done unto you. The idea of reciprocity is that it starts in you, it goes out, and it comes back. A good tree bears good fruit. You are the tree. You're not sitting around waiting for fruit. You produce the fruit. You store up good on the inside of you. You produce fruit, and fruit comes back. And if you've got evil, it's because you stored up evil, you produced evil, and evil came back. But if you are determined to produce fruit, not just eat it, you'll always have it. And the challenge for us is that we are eaters more than producers. So all of us are sitting around with our baby beaks open looking for somebody to drop fruit in our mouths without recognizing that the people who really have fruit are people that produce fruit. Not people who just eat fruit. The real way to have fruit is to produce it, not just eat it. That's the real way to have it. Now, the consumer world that we live in today has us sitting around waiting for Amazon Prime to overnight fruit to us because we're consumers now. But the truth of the matter is, the real way to have fruit is to produce it. That's why he's saying, well, whatever you bind on earth, you bound in heaven, meaning it starts with you, comes out your mouth, you speak it, and what you speak, God shifts in the heavens and responds back to you from the heavens because it starts with you. 
And a part of the reason why you give your heart to God and why you ask the Lord to give you a clean heart. And why, because the Bible says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. And the Bible says that if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, the, the Bible says that he'll give you the desires of your heart. So you got to make sure your heart's together because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of your heart, your life produces. So if there's a lot of ghetto malice and envy and anger, if you watch too much junk, if you watch too much reality TV, too much Real Wives of Hollywood, if you put too much of that in your heart, it is going to come out of your life. If all you do is fill your heart with TikTok videos, then what's going to happen is out of the overflow of them TikTok videos, your mouth will speak, your life will speak, and your life will start to look like a porn video. If all you do is fill your life with porn, then out of the overflow of the porn, your life will speak porn. I need a witness in the building. And we spend way more time filling ourselves with, with entertainment than we do with the word. Sorry, we know way more about Brandon and Angelina and way more about Kim Kardashian than we know about Jesus Christ. You know exactly where Kim lives, and you don't know where Caesarea Philippi is. What I'm saying to you is that you have to understand that that what comes out of you comes back to you. Can I get a witness in the building? When you look at Luke 6, basically Jesus gives us some examples of that. And I'm out of time, but let me just give them to you really quickly. He says, if you love, that love starts in you. He said, if you love only those who love you, what good is that to you? Even heathens do that. I want you to have so much love that you love people that don't like you. Oh, I know that's hard. I want you to have so much love that you're like, listen, don't you just love my, I love my haters. They make me know I'm doing something. They make me know I'm popping. They make me know I look good. They make me know that I must be doing something right. I'm not mad at them. The love so overflows, love starts in you and comes back to you. Now, I know there are some of you that are like, yeah, but Pastor Andy, I loved and I didn't get love back. Yeah, me too. What that was was bad ground. That was bad ground, sweetheart. That's why Jesus told the parable where the man says, well, where's the fruit from this tree? Where's the fruit? Dig it, dung it, or cut it down. I can't let this tree take up this space in my life. I'm sowing love into this tree. I've got to get some love out of it. And if I don't get some love out of it, I'll cut this tree down. Help us, Holy Ghost. But love starts in you, and it comes back. If you think about it, that's how you started life. You started off as a little baby loving your mama. Sure, she loved you, but you just had an attachment to her, and you just loved her. You gave love. It's hard to love a baby that don't like you. See, don't nobody want to say amen on that one. But it's the truth. 
I don't know if you've ever held a baby that don't want to be held by you. I do it all the time. Because y'all love bringing these eight-year-old babies in here for me to dedicate all like this. <laughs> really, I'd like to dedicate your baby. I know it's COVID, but I'd like to dedicate the baby before the baby's six or seven months old. Because when babies cross seven, eight months, they start not liking everybody. I need a witness in the building. You ever, y'all see it all the time. I hold a baby up and they're like, and I'm just like, and I just give that baby back. Nobody want to keep no baby that don't like them. I just wish everybody could be honest with me for, there's nothing like a good baby. When you get on a plane and somebody's got a baby, you're like, okay. You make the sign of the cross. Touch that baby, Jesus. Move over that baby. This baby's doing a killer job right now, bruh. This is a good baby right here. That baby can be in my church anytime. But I, these little fickle crying, screaming, you got to keep taking out to, the, out to the side babies. They need Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been on a plane and there's a baby there and the baby is crying and you're just like, ah, headphones in. You can't take it. But a good baby that's quiet on a plane, you'll go over to the people and be like, that's a wonderful baby. <laughs> My God. What I'm saying is, is love starts in you, it comes back to you. He says love, and it'll be, and you'll get love back. Do good, and good will come back. You can't do good only as a response to good. Good starts in you when you do good and good comes back. You lend without expecting to be repaid. I'm just going to leave that one alone because I don't have time because we'll all have to come to the altar. Be merciful. Don't judge people. Forgiveness. Forgiveness starts in you and comes back. Forgiveness begins in you where you don't judge motives. Real judgment is ascribing motives. This is why you did that. This is why you did that. This is why you did that. And if you find that coming to you a lot, it's because you do it. What you sow, you reap. Wave at me. Wave at me. When you reap what you sow, what you put out comes back to you. Love. Do good. Lend without expecting to be repaid. Let's just move on, Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. Be merciful. Don't judge people. Forgive people. It starts in you. Not judging starts in you. Mercy starts in you. Let him who's without sin cast the first stone. You living in a glass house, drop your rocks. Then... Giving. He says, give, and it shall be given unto you again. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men pour into your lap. For with the measure you use, it's measured unto you. Reciprocity says that it starts in me, it goes out and comes back. One of the reasons why the enemy and the system is so determined to keep us from having is because the person that has more is given. The person that does not have, even what they have is taken away. 
You don't get money from having no money. You get money from having money already. And you sow it and it comes back to you. I need a witness in the building. If you're listening and reading the news, they're saying a recession's about to come. They're looking at, the, at all of the stuff that's happening. A recession's coming. They're, they're, the markers are showing the bond stuff. Corey, I was looking at the bond stuff, the flipping and what the long-term bonds. And they're saying yes, this is a sign that 2023 is probably going to be maybe one of the biggest recessions. That makes you nervous if you don't have anything. That's why I'm praying for the Lord to bless you in these last three months. I'm believing that this last quarter will be greater than your, than your former quarter. I'm believing that God's going to bless you supernaturally because I want you to have something when the market goes off. Because when the market goes south, the rich get richer. Talk to me. Talk to me. Because you give and it's given unto you again. You sow and it comes back to you. The way that money grows is it doesn't grow from you having it. Matter of fact, right now, if you got a bunch of money in the bank sitting up somewhere, you're not smart. Because money is currency. And currency has to have a current. And the current has to keep moving. If it stays still, it stagnates. And it dies. Crazy to have $50,000 sitting in an account because their bank ain't giving you, their bank's making money off your money. The way for that money to grow is for you to find somewhere to sow it, for it to grow and come back to you. You want your money to have babies. I speak right now that our money will have babies. I speak right now that we will play some Luther Vandross music over our money right now and that our money will get down tonight. Come on, let's speak it, let's speak it. Let's speak some wait for love. Let's speak some house is not a home. Let's, let's speak some, let's speak some Luther. Lord, let some Luther play for our money tonight. Let our money get together and make more money. Because you want your money to reproduce. It, roots, it reproduces through reciprocity. You give and it comes back. You give and men give to you. How many people want to be blessed in here? You want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. All right. Me too. Can I tell you how you get blessed? You get blessed by people. God touches people to touch you. That's how God blesses you. God don't miracle you money out the sky. The Lord makes somebody say, I don't know why I'm doing this. I speak that right now. The Lord makes somebody say, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm going to do something for you that I don't do for everybody. I'm going to refund this to you. It's my last day on this job, and I just don't care. So I'm going to refund all of this to you because they didn't let me go. Can you believe that? But it's my last day. You came in here on the right day. Let me show you what I'm going to do, baby. <laughs> I'm going to use my employee code, and I'm going to wipe out your account. I speak that right now over you in the name of Jesus for people who are upset to hook you up. I speak hook up anointing over you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that somebody will just like you and they shouldn't like you, but they just like you. I pray white people will just like you. 
just give you stuff, sell you stuff at a quarter of it what it ought to cost, and that God will touch somebody's heart and make your heathen supervisor leave you alone. I speak that right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that they will recognize your value to the company. I pray that people will look at your video. I pray that you will go viral. I'm praying that God will bless you through people. Do you receive that? You receive that? Receive that? You receive that? I got you. Here's the thing. It's kind of hard for you to believe that if God can't touch you. You're in church. How can you have faith for the Lord to touch your heathen supervisor and he can't touch you? You're watching live. If he can't touch you, how can he touch somebody who don't know him? And so what, what has to happen is you have to activate that key by doing it. It gives you more faith in it. So that then you can believe that more men will pour into your lap because with the measure you use... It's measured unto you. Amen? Amen? All right, let's take up the building for an offering then. Let's take up the building for an offering. Let's give to work in the kingdom of God. This is the last thing we're going to do. Well, I'm over time, but that's okay. It was good. And we're going to take up this offering. Then we're going to go have fun with the kids. And so let's give. If you need an offering envelope, you can simply raise your hand. One of the gate was coming to give it to you. You can donate toward Victory Park. We're on our way to this new space. We are giving. We are sowing. We are raising money. We are on our way to this new building. And so we, 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 are, we are in giving building mode. So $25 above your tithes and offerings, $50 above your tithes and offerings. If you've never, ever tithed before, start being a tither. Start being somebody that gives. The national average in America right now is something like 27% of the church actually tithes. 25% of the church actually tithes. So at this point now, it's just like, okay, who, who, who's actually going to be a tither? And I said this, if everybody tithed, we wouldn't even need, but, but it's okay. We, we have a need. If you started to be a tither today, then you would be practicing reciprocity. You give, and it's given unto you again good measure, press down, shaking together and running over will men pour into your lap. You'll have faith to believe. Not only will God move on your behalf, but you'll have faith to believe that this process happens when you give. So I'm giving you an opportunity to practice it, for you to sow into the kingdom of God. Well, the Lord don't need my money. Actually, the kingdom needs you to sow. Church needs you to give. We're trying to get out of these spaces that we lease and so we have a vision, we have land that we own, that we're trying to build this building so we can get up out of here, so we can be the lender and not the borrower, and God will bless you. The Bible says that God will make you rich so that you can be generous on every occasion. And so this is an opportunity. So you can take a picture of that QR code, take you straight to the way you can give to Victory Park. You need an offering envelope, you can give. You want to make a check payable, make it a WOCC. Everything you give in these second offerings is going to the building fund. Don't go to me.
Ghost of the work that we're doing together. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray for this offering. God, I thank you for folks watching around the world. You can give right now. Thank you, Lord God, right now that people are taking this moment to operate reciprocity. They are sowing and expecting to reap. It starts with us. It goes out and it comes back. And we're asking you to take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom. Let your kingdom come and you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be God in our situation. I'm always asking you that. Be God in our situation. You know everybody's individual situation. Be God in our situation. And we'll praise you for what you do and what you say. You're worthy in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen. God bless you as you give. If you can just let the gatekeepers just take up the offering and let the buckets pass. Give through that QR code. You're watching online. We need you to give. Give through that QR code. All of you that are watching us online consistently, be prepared. We're going to be helping to invite you. We had a meeting this past week. Myself and Pastor Tony and Pastor Tyrus, we are, we've got to continue to do a better job to help you. on, on Just because you're not in the room don't mean you, can't, you shouldn't be giving. I know y'all are in the room, so y'all don't have to say amen. But just because you're not in the room, as we've been talking and having conversations with the people that are here to help us have conversations around raising the money, it's kind of like, well, how, how are we going to get pledges if people aren't in the room? Well, we, we, we have to be like, okay, well, we're in the room, but then the greater percentage of the people that go to the church and are, are watching, you're watching online. And so we need you to respond. We need you to give. We need you to take a picture of that, of that code, give to the work of the kingdom of God. All of you that are in the room, invite somebody to come to church. And let's do something for God together. Can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. But what's even greater than that is there's something strengthening about being a part of something bigger than you. What I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play. What I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play. I'm honored to play my part, but it's bigger than me. You shouldn't say, oh, Pastor Andy, look what y'all did over there. No, no, no. It's look what we did together. It's not my church. It's our church. Amen? It's our church. All right, stand to your feet. About to be dismissed. Huh? Vision Sundays next Sunday. Harvest Festival is about to start. Kids are about to have a great time. More than welcome to go. There's bouncy houses and candy and all kinds of stuff out there. Family time. Anybody hear a word from the Lord today? Anybody believe in God for a miracle? Anybody, got, anybody believe in God for a miracle? I said, anybody believe in God for a miracle? I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. He's a miracle worker. And we want to hear your testimony of how God makes a way for you financially. I'm expecting kings and queens from this group. Kings and queens from the folks that are watching around the world. Come on, let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together. We ask you to dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Everyone that's watching live stream from home, God, as we shut down, use us. This is just the hallway to kingdom. This was awesome, but it's just the beginning. 
and we're praying that you would lead us and guide us into eternal truth. Now, God, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Nothing is too difficult for you. Stretch forth your hand to heal and perform a miracle in our lives. Dismiss us from this place. Cover us with your blood and let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. For God, you're our rock. You're our redeemer. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming to church. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.